0: Hello everyone, welcome to Footyology Final Siren, our qualifying final edition after an emphatic victory by Port Adelaide over Geelong, the Power into another preliminary final repeat of last year, qualifying final victory over the same opponent no less, uh, the Power's seventh preliminary final in their history. So a pretty successful little spell in AFL company. This has been Geelong, very, very disappointing tonight. Can the Cats come back? They did it last year. Have they got it in them to rebound and win their way through to another grand final? Uh, We're here to discuss the whole game, break it down in uh, vast and graphic detail. Uh, Most importantly, we're here to take your questions, not just on this game, but the rest of the finals this weekend anything on your football agenda. You can send your questions through, whether you're watching this on Twitter or Facebook, send them through and we will tune through as many as we possibly can, as is our fashion. As I say, very good evening to my footyology final siren co-host, Mark Fine. Well, a uh, thumping
1: win to the power finding, very impressive. Certainly was. Uh, They probably buy halfway through the first quarter, seemed to have rested control of the game style. And that was always going to be telling, wasn't it? Because Geelong denied their possession game through foot passing. Don't really have, I think, a B plan in the final series, at least, against better teams to come out on top. And what followed there afterwards was a procession. Very enjoyable for the 20,000 I would say 19,000 Port fans in attendance.
0: I thought they um, they were really fumbly tonight. They looked susceptible to pressure and uh, look for all Ports' enterprise, and they've kicked 12-14. Uh, I thought their pressure game was definitely the highlight of their win. They uh, they just made the Cats panic and time and again, Geelong gave the ball back in dangerous positions too several times inside 50. Uh, probably the standout for me, that uh, Dangerfield uh, kick across ground that uh, Charlie Dixon put pressure on. Uh, Dixon got the handle over to Motwop and a goal was older. But that happened several times. They missed targets and put themselves under pressure. And uh, by the end, there was a lot of inferred pressure going on. Geelong players panicking when they actually had more time than they thought. Really disappointing performance from them. I thought they looked, uh, they looked slow. Like I said, they looked fumbly. Um, look, they're you know they're an experienced side, they're mentally strong, but I think there's got to be big question marks about whether they can pull something out of the fire. What about Port Finney? Uh, how dramatically does this change your perception of them and their Premiership
1: capabilities? Well, I said even three weeks ago that just the way the ladder was formed, they really only needed to find that sp- well, hold on to that spot in the top four and be one game away from playing in the grand final. Now, the fact that they finished top two in the shuffle up and were able to get that first home final made it even more likely. We don't know yet where the venue is for the preliminary final, but there is some suggestion that if numbers are controlled, it could be in South Australia, which makes them an odds-on proposition to play in a grand final. And the good news for them is... uh, playing against a Victorian team, most likely, they will not be playing at the MCG, most probably. So they're right in it, right in it. And to be able to welcome back Orazio Fantasia and see him kick four goals, yes, he went off with Mm -hmm. knee soreness, but I think that's part of his 2021 footballing life. But to have him in the team looked to, to be an excellent addition, didn't it, Ray? It did.
0: And uh, Mitch Giorgiati is more than likely available for that preliminary final as well. And of course, they did lose a preliminary final to a Victorian team on home turf last year. Big difference this year, however, they will not have had to, uh, Well, sorry, they won't be facing a side that has had the benefit of a week's break. So I think that could make a huge difference. Get your questions in, everyone, whether it be on Twitter or Facebook. We'll start ripping through them in a minute. Before we do that... Let's have a run through the details, both the scores, goal kickers and best. And Port Adelaide really led from go to woe, started things rolling with a pretty good first quarter, 4-3 to the Cats, 2-5 at the first break. Another four goals to just one in the second term and that lead had blown out to 29 points at halftime already, Geelong, in a bit of bother. Even deeper bother by three quarter time because the Cats remained goalless in that third term. Of course, Port adding just one themselves, but really dominating territory, one three, in fact, in that third term. And the lead was out to 35 points at the final change, was going to take something very special from them. And uh, any chance, pretty much eliminated within 21 seconds of the start of the final term when. Fantasia kicked his fourth goal of the evening. Couple of uh quick ones to the Cats, but that only brought it back to 31 points. And then the medical sub Sam Powell Pepper, who came on to replace Fantasia, he kicked the final two goals of the game to put a bit of icing on the cake. Port Adelaide in the end victors by 43 points. The final scores port 12-14-86. Defeating the Cats 5-13-43. The goal kickers for the power, four to Fantasia, two to Motwop, two to Pal Pepper, singles to Gray, Wadams, Marshall, and Zach Butters for the Cats, two to Tom Hawkins, and singles to Cameron Simpson and Selwood. The best as voted by you, Mark Fine. Travis Boak. You've given BOG to fair enough to, I think, 32 disposals for Travis Boak tonight. Fantasia, four goals to Fantasia, valuable performance from him. Ollie Wines also ended up with 32 disposals and having Wines and bike been unbelievable as a duo over the last few weeks. Next on your best list, Tom Jonas, very resolute in defence. Ryan Burton, who was uh, really good tonight, very creative, and speaking about defenders, Aaliyah, Aaliyah, newly crowned All-Australian and just unpassable in that first term. I think it was four intercept marks in the first quarter alone, quite a little bit after that, but still plenty of influence. And uh, Geelong just could not find a target in their forward 50. For the Cats, you've gone best. Mitch Duncan, Pretty good return from him. 32 disposals. He ended up with the next best for the Cats, 23. So he really dominated their possession list. Uh, Ollie Henry, uh, pretty valiant effort from him in defence. Isaac Smith never stopped working and running. Paddy Dangerfield had his moments. I I thought he did what he could to lift them. 23 touches for Paddy. Brandon Parfitt and Tom Hawkins, who in fairness to him, really didn't get many opportunities tonight. Any uh, apologies from those
1: best, Fanny? Well, Jack Henry, not Ollie Henry. Oh, sorry, write, sorry, sorry. So I put down Ollie Henry?
0: Yeah.
1: Was that me? Did I write Ollie Henry? Anyhow, it doesn't matter. Jack Henry. And look, I reckon if you were giving the 3 two, one votes, it was quite difficult, wasn't it? I, Port Adelaide was such an even performance. Mm-hmm. Um... Travis Boekel, yeah, was great. The other players, yeah, there are some apologies. I thought Bonner was good. A, a player that doesn't, probably in their bottom six, doesn't get a lot of credit. Uh, Lysette continues to do well around the ground. Actually, Stanley was all right, so he wasn't terrible. But no, I'm pretty comfortable with those. I'll say a couple of things. Um, you mate, BT... <laughs> he just can't he just can't admit when he gets something wrong so he said um pal pepper two goals came on for fantasia who kicked three goals when it mattered then he comes back about five minutes later he goes well he actually kicked four goals but only three when it mattered i, heard that. I would have thought that first goal <laughs> of the last quarter mattered as well but he decided it didn't.
0: Well, <laughs> we can have a talk about our favourite subject later. I might say a few words about last night's all-Australian presentation comes suburban football club pie night because that's basically what it looked like to me, the standard of hosting of that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, we, we have a million comments backing up, so let's start ripping through. Larry Hill, well done, Port, but at a minimum, Alia required a defensive forward who could mark Jack Henry forward was a no-brainer. Quick response from Ian
1: Finney. Oh, no, look, he, you've got to shore up your defence as well, and they were under siege, so he did particularly well on Dixon. No, they've got enough tall forwards. They needed to compete more. Um, well, Gary Rowan being isolated on O'Lear Lee was never going to work out, was it? But they, they simply needed either to lower their eyes going into the forward line, and realise that they can't just stick it up in the air, in an area where a Lear leer is. All players had to compete more earnestly. Look, they've got a great small forward set up, Port Adelaide. We know that. And early, that's how they got on the board. First goal was to Motlop, I think. Second goal to Robbie Gray, Orazio Fantasia. So it really paid dividends. A long small forwards... They're, they're not goal kickers. Look, there is some beauty of Dalhouse that Chris Scott sees that I don't. I'm sorry. I just do not see it. Myers and Close are good, but they worked work better further up the ground. They're not deadly around goals. So, yes, O'Leary was dominant in the air, but I don't think that when the ball hits the ground, they've got anything.
0: Well, just six disposals to Dalhouse tonight, so uh, he's... Placing the side, you think it'd have to be in a bit of jeopardy. Might open the door for uh, my little mate Max Holmes to come back into that side. Might have been a bit stiff to get dropped. Uh, David Haley says, As a Geelong supporter, I have a theory. Scott has a year left on contract. Clarkson a year off, as we know. Chris has a terrible finals record. Geelong should throw dollars at Clarkson for 2023. Thoughts? Um, look, I, you know... I have defended Chris Scott a fair bit. Is it a coaching issue? What is it about Geelong in finals? Uh, is it a coaching issue? I don't necessarily see it as a coaching issue, but I, I don't have an alternative explanation for um,
1: why their record in finals hasn't been great. You know, you put just on Clarkson to Geelong, you put yourself in Clarko's boots. Now, he at the moment is considered one of the great coaches of all time. So he should be. When he comes back to coaching, I think he'd be looking for a challenge with a team that hasn't made the finals or hasn't had a big say in finals or one grand finals in recent memory. You know, why would he go to Geelong, where really the record of Scott has been fantastic, and he could his own sort of coaching record and his own place in the pantheon could be. Really risked by going to Geelong. Now he'll end up at where you think mm-hmm. he'll end, Robyn. Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I,
0: I mean, I, I would say, and no, I'm not saying this is a slight on him. I think he'll go where the best offer is in terms of dollars. Um, uh, he's going to be able to have his pick. I don't. I don't see why he. You know his need for a challenge would be so great that would it would um, usurp a huge dollar offer, and, and that is where Gold Coast can uh, win the battle for his services because it's bankrolled by the AFL, basically. Correct. Let, let's keep moving. Um, Trout, G'day Trout, says, hello, boys. Not one of the Geelong recruits from other teams stood up tonight. Not one. Well, you had Isaac Smith in your best, finey. Yep. Yeah, I thought he was all right. I thought he was all right as well. Uh, Rowan, very disappointing. I'm sure we'll get some questions about Gary Rowan. Just ponder this and and we'll come back to it. But uh, I did a stock take of his finals record. Um, Before tonight, he'd played 20 finals, averaged 8.8 disposals and kicked a total of 14 goals. He's had 11 out of 20 finals in which he's returned fewer than 10 disposals. So that is an issue. He has got considerable monkey... um, on the back in terms of his finals record uh all right ryan asks what are the chances of port getting an adelaide oval home prelim how long is a piece of string ryan i mean it's totally dependent upon where the COVID situation is in two weeks i mean and if you're unaware uh western Australia tonight recording a couple of positives i think a couple of truck drivers who'd been through victoria and south australia that hasn't Change plans for the moment. Um, I think Geelong would you to go to Perth straight away after this game. So, um, yeah, look, it's it's two weeks away. Who knows what could happen, hopefully. I mean, look, in terms of fairness, you'd like to see them be able to host a prelim, wouldn't you, Fionnick?
1: Yes, I would. In terms of fairness, I'd like to see Tasmania host the grand final. <laughs> Why, Clarence playing or...? No. No, just because they were not not sufficiently um, respected in the recent report about a 19th team in the AFL. And this will be their much-deserved moment in the sun, at least for the time being. All right. uh, We'll stay mainly on this game, but
0: a quick digression. JDST says, how much does Nick Hind missing hurt the Bombers' chances on Sunday? Uh, It does, I, I would say, very quickly. It does. His run is very important and I don't think there's anyone who can replace that. They might look at playing Andy McGrath off halfback or let him do the bounces and then play a defensive mid-type role. Um, but in terms of actual re, you know, replacing his presence in the in that back six, it's probably down to Martin Gleason who doesn't offer nearly the same drive. So it's a big loss and it's a big price to pay for a uh, salad sandwich. Uh, Jimmy Cavalier says, Cats out in straight sets, old and done. What do you think of that one, Foddy? What, uh, at this very early stage, they will be playing the winner of GWS in Sydney. Um, what, uh, what would you assess their percentage chances
1: of a winner at, at this stage? About 60. We always jump off the team that loses in the first week of the finals. Yep, we tend to. Yeah, I think they'll be pretty well placed to play those two teams, to be honest. Well, last year, of course, we had two qualifying
0: final losers ending up playing off in the grand final, which was the first. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, the, the, re- I haven't done my numbers recently, but uh, there is a nasty habit of uh, everyone jumping off whoever loses a qualifying final on those teams subsequently hitting back. I mean, the Cats uh, did lose to Sydney earlier this year and they've also lost to GWS, so... Um, yeah, give it, give it a day or two, I think, before you look at that one. Uh, Brett Rufus says, on the power, a leer, what a gun. He is a gun. He is a gun. Uh, Got to be recruit of the year uh, in terms of someone picked up from another senior side. And I think you and I finally both sort of had trouble understanding why Sydney let him go, um, you know, with comparative ease. I thought he, he was great for them as well. He just seemed to fall out of favour now and again under John Longmire, but hey, it's been superb for the power. I think you hit the nail on the head
1: with falling in and out of favour with Longmire. Remember he had a good first year? Yeah, 2016. And then he didn't play in the second year. Yeah, I think he missed the grand final, didn't
0: he, 2016? Might have got injured and and missed Mm. uh, games towards the end of the year, but then the following year he sort of fell out of favour and you know, sort of came back into favour and then, uh, I don't know, I mean, I guess couple of different positions too, didn't he? That drove yeah. him in the ruck a bit. Yeah, he spent some time in the ruck, that's true. Uh, but his judgment, and I think this is always obvious with him, even in those early days at Sydney, he had great judgment. Um, and uh you know, obviously showed that superbly tonight. But he's got everything. He's got height and strength, so he can hold his own the marking contest, but also the mobility to zone off and um, intercept and and offer a fair bit of rebound. So you know, uh, probably the one biggest uh, Achilles heel we thought maybe with Port this year was that lack of a big, strong, uh, uh, you know, a big enough, strong enough key defender to cope with the monsters. Awea hasn't ended up playing that sort of role, but I think it enables the likes of Jonas, or well, Clure, not in the side at the moment, but those, you know, bigger defensive types to concentrate more fully on whoever the opposition key forwards are,
1: correct? Spot on. It's um, obviously knocked probably Tom Clury out of the team, but that's okay because they needed that bigger body. I will say this. If you're playing against Alir Alir or you're supporting the team that's playing against him, keep your fingers crossed that he drops his first mark or two. There is a certain confidence level with Alir Alir, and if he just takes that first mark cleanly, then his confidence builds and he puts himself in the in the frame for a lot more marking throughout the game. Right, Michael Cowan says, Scott warded as a
0: matchday strategist, outcoached in qualifying finals. Small forwards again show up their back half. Yep. I think that's a fair comment. I think they're... Uh, I mean, who's Geelong's smallest defender? It's probably... It's probably Jed Buse. Um yeah. Atkins, when he... If you please, yeah, no, then. that's true. Atkins has been moved back there. It is Atkins. You're right. Uh, good spot. But hey, hey gee, hey, I didn't notice him much tonight, did you? No, I, no, no, didn't. Just having a quick look at his disposals. Yeah, he ended up with eleven disposals for the game, so he hasn't given a much. Gee, they had a few players tonight, but didn't give much. Uh, just very quickly, Reece Stanley six disposals, Dowhouse six, Buu seven, Blitzars eight, Collard Jasny, ten. I mean, okay, some of them are defenders, but you want at least one or two of your defenders to be heading up towards the 20 disposal mark, I think, because otherwise you're not... Uh, the yeah. ball's sort of hanging around that back 50 way too long, and that was a real issue tonight, Port Rubble, to really trap that ball inside the forward 50 and keep applying the pressure until Geelong sort of inevitably made a mistake. Well, I know
1: uh, should be dropped out of that back one. Who's that? Henderson. Yeah, he, he, had, a, it, he had a bad terrible. one. Terrible. I mean, that, he dropped that mark the... Dangerfield kicked across ground. It was a chest mark. Yeah. In the first quarter, I think he coughed up the first goal when the ball was kicked short to him and he just wasn't quick enough to move it on. And then that very awkward <clears> play, <throat> when he tried to punch the ball. I don't know what he was doing. He got his body contorted and off a bad kick across ground by Port Adelaide and Fantasia picked it up and gold. But, yeah, bar the injury to O'Connor, I think Henderson would not play next week.
0: Well, he, um, yeah, I mean, his confidence was visibly shaken because I thought when I mentioned the amount along was fumbling tonight, I thought he was probably one of the worst offenders. Yeah. Uh, Darren Rockerwin says, Hi, Rocco and Finey. I brought Port to your attention a few weeks ago. And Rowan, you didn't believe they were a bona fide contender as they hadn't beaten anyone of note in the top eight. Hope you've changed your mind a lot. Yes, I have, Darren. Well, how could you not there? One win away from the grand <laughs> final. They've knocked over the Bulldogs who are on top of the ladder three weeks ago. Now they've knocked off Geelong who were on top of the ladder for their share of the season. So, look, I think you, I'm sure you'd agree, Darren, they're playing to a higher level now uh, than they were for much of this season. Having said that, and this probably has been overlooked a bit, you know, Port's won 10 of its last 11 games now,
1: Farnie. So they have been very, very consistent over the back half of the season. Yeah, they've been good. And they found their form. Surprisingly, I think at Marvel Stadium, when they were, of course, in this unusual season, forced to play a few games there, including a couple of home games, and they just, they weren't brilliant, but they started winning games there, looked good. I'll say this, it's going to be harder to win a premiership than beating a team as Geelong played tonight. Of course it is. Mm. To win the flag, Dixon has to start playing more like he did in the first half of the year, I believe. Marking, kicking goals.
0: Yep, no, fair enough. Um, Robert Rice says, since 2011, Geelong's record for the first week of finals now stands at one win and eight losses.
1: Yeah.
0: hate to say it about my team, but we've earned the chokers tag. Yeah, I I, I dispute... Well, I don't dispute the fact they've been poor. I dispute the chokers thing because to me, it depends on your definition, but to me, a choke is someone... gets into a winning position and then doesn't end up winning. And quite a few of those finals now, Geelong hasn't been in that position. Um, Not necessarily specifically the first week of the finals, but I mean, preliminary final against Sydney 2016, conceded seven goals to one in the first quarter, game over. 2017 preliminary final against Adelaide, thrashed, beaten by 10 goals. Um, 2018 elimination final, never really in the hunt against Melbourne. Uh, I don't know. I mean, what do you regard as a choke for? And you can't just look at a loss and say that's a choke.
1: No, of course not. I think you can maybe look at one win out of nine and say that's a choke. I'll, I'll ask you this, Rowan. Uh, there has been some criticism in the last few days of Luke Beveridge because they missed out on the top four and people point out that he has never coached the Bulldogs to a top four finish, mm. but he has a premiership. Mm. On the other hand, Chris Scott, obviously, of recent times, he's got a flag as well, but of recent times, he has been a coach whose team has squandered top four positions. So which do you think is the greatest black mark on a coach? Not making the top four or making it and not utilising it? Uh, Probably the latter.
0: Um, you know, I mean, I, I regard Luke Beveridge's coaching performance in 2016 as one of the all time great coaching performances. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not just because of what happened in the final series, but that whole year, um, they had a heap of injuries. He rotated his squad consistently, and, and that worked very well to be able to lift a team to four finals wins on the trot from seventh place, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I would still defend Chris Scott, though. I I I think you know you have to be a pretty good coach to get a side consistently to the heights he has over the home and away rounds. I would argue that most of those uh, campaigns that have ended in a preliminary final loss or a semi loss or whatever, they haven't quite been good enough. That's not the case this year. This year, you know, look if you were to uh, rank their finals losses since two thousand and eleven, this would rank as one of the worst. Couple, if not the worst, actually, because they, you know, they were never really in it and against a side that they handled with relative ease when they beat them in the home and away season at the same venue. Uh, something wasn't right with them tonight.
1: Yeah. I mean, just quickly, I'd say Chris Scott, I think he's an excellent coach. He's kept this team going and going and going, and that defies the draft and salary cap concept. I find Luke Beveridge a, of a an unorthodox coach whose premiership success, as you say, was based on some rota- a lot of rotation and, and it might have been pure genius, but since then, I think that has been the formula for his downfall, to be honest. And in what way? He, he just does things that don't make any sense. I mean, you know, he's got Tim English in the team, but he doesn't ruck him. He rucks Lewis Young in a key game. This is a guy that, just sort of overnight, had a superstar in his team, and then the guy went to another club, Essendon being the beneficiary. I mean, the the loss of Jack, Jake Springer is li- little talked about, but it makes no sense. He was an absolute pivotal part of winning a premiership. Gone. Very unusual. Yeah, And many other things. Mitch Wallace, completely not an AFL footballer, apparently. Even though last year he found himself a spot in the team that was very valuable. I don't understand why from round one this year that didn't exist anymore. I I find many things he does unusual. Hayden Crozier has gone from being one of the best defenders in the competition last year to in and out of the team every week. Mm -hmm. I don't get it.
0: He has a bit of a treat them mean, keep them keen policy, I think, and I, I, I would argue overall that works. Anyway, look, we're, they're playing on Sunday, so we'll come back to that. Ryan says, Port looks better with one less tall. If Georgiades comes back, Marshall has to go out. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, look, you'd have Georgiades, Marshall, uh, Laddams occasionally and Dixon. It's pretty top-heavy, I suppose, but, I mean, it all depends who they play, doesn't it? So Port, in the preliminary, will play either Melbourne, Brisbane,
1: Western Bulldogs or Essendon, correct? I don't think it matters who it plays, wrong. What do you mean? I don't think Marshall's a very good footballer. You know that goal he kicked tonight? Yeah. That was almost the worst thing he did. Kick a goal? Well, the ball came over the back of the pack and he marked yeah. it and he just spun around and snapped it. Went through. Yeah.
0: He could have steadied. He could have gone back. Are you sure <laughs> yeah. that wasn't off hands though and called play on?
1: No, the umpire called, I heard the whistle. It was okay. a mark.
0: But right.
1: whatever. Anyhow. um, And he had, look, I'll give you one thing. He had, he must have had 200 relatives in the crowd tonight. What was that? Well, all these guys COVID marshal on their back. They must be related to Todd. Oh, boy.
0: Uh, all right, Hayden Murdoch is asking you, Finey or Viney, Is Ross Lyon the Jay Leno of coaching gig acquisitions? <laughs> Why well, Jay Leno? Yeah, I, I don't get. I don't get that either. What does that mean? I mean, I know who Jay Leno is, but what, what you'll have to clarify yeah. that one for us, Hayden. We'll come back to that. Uh, Av says Henderson showed what a big loss Stewart was. Stewart's lost Viney, and we both we both tipped this. It's been absolutely massive. They their back line just looks so, by comparison, sort of disorganized and and haphazard. They've lost his rebound, they've lost his capacity to be that third man up and help out the other defenders. It's been a huge
1: loss for him. Rowan, you know, sometimes footy fans and footy people <clears throat> charged with covering the game pose that hypothetical. Who's the one player a team would least like? To lose, I think a lot of people would have said Stewart. We did, you know, you didn't, Belong didn't have to go through the suffering they've gone through in recent weeks to know how important he is to the team.
0: Well, a good indicator, and um, I, I did this last week, so I'm just going on memory here. But since he'd been out, uh, their scores conceded per opposition inside 50 had just gone through the through the roof. And that was something which has been really low for them. So that's a pretty good indicator, isn't it? If you're, you know, if that percentage of opposition scores per inside 50 goes from, you know, to 24% to 40%, uh, that indicates a level of uh, disorganisation that wasn't there previously, I'd, I'd suggest. Is that, uh, is that a
1: back mark against Chris Scott, that he's had three, I think three weeks or three matches to come up with, some sort of alternative and he's really just said, all right, he's out. We're going to have to survive without him. Is it should, should they have been trying to rejig that back line? Because it has not looked good since he's been
0: out. Well, it's easier said than done, though, isn't it? You've got to have a player capable of playing that role. Mm. You've got to have a player who gels with the other. I would argue that, you know, we, we always talk about premiership sides back six. Inevitably, it's a six that has played most of the season together. Yeah, of course. And has, a, has a great sort of synergy with each other. And I think it's even more important in defence than perhaps the other sections of the ground. And uh, I mean, it just indicates to me that they haven't got anyone capable of playing a similar
1: role. Um, oh, who well, I'd play back. Say it again. I, I think they do have somebody who could play back there. Yeah. Because he has been thrust into that role occasionally is Todd Menegola. Not Todd Menegola, the other Sam Menegola. Manig- yes, Menegola. Todd Managola might have played that role for Richmond.
0: Uh, All right, let's keep going. Uh, Stephen Smith says, does BT know any other player than Oratio or Oratio in cotton wool? I like the way that BT doesn't sort of latch onto one theme during a game and then just uh, repeat it endlessly for the next hour. And uh, tonight's was uh, Port needs to take Fantasia off and make sure he doesn't get injured. Um, we probably heard that one about 17 times. So that's always good. Uh, THX 1138 says another final, another A A-Wall performance from Gary Rowan. Any ideas what the problem is there? Yeah, well, my idea is up uh, up here. Like I gave you, I don't know if you heard the stats before THX, but uh, averaging 8.8 disposals across 20 finals, 14 goals only in 20 finals. Um two disposals tonight to halftime, went to the back line and was able to get a few of those cheaper rebound disposals. Even so, only ended up with 12, I think, for the game. Um, but he's had the one final I found when I was going through it that he did all right was a, uh, I think, 2014 preliminary final against North Melbourne for Sydney. And he had 23 and I think kicked a couple of goals. But uh, that is clearly an issue for them. And And look he's not their most important player, but he's pretty important to them and they just got nothing from him tonight. Zero.
1: Yeah. Yeah, not well, not seemingly able to change much in his game to suit the situation and finals are hard places to win football, you know, to get marks and to get out on your own. Now, he's a hard leading forward who, you know, likes the space and aerially they were so... Utterly under underperforming tonight with Ilirale setting that tone early. There wasn't much else that he can do to bring himself in the game. It seems, and that I feel like one trick pony may sum him up a bit, Rowan. Well, Tommy makes a good point. Tommy says Rowan off his Tucker
0: needs to hunt. Like no, a bit of a Nevos uh, rejoinder there, but needs to hunt. Uh, look, there's something in that but I mean he offered them nothing. he offered no defensive pressure he wasn't flying for marks so I didn't notice him he, he, he was just he was doing nothing and the move of him to the back line was sheer desperation really So said trying to conjure some sort of way of getting him into the game. but it, boy uh, the um, sports psychologist down at uh, Cadinia Park will be Earning their dollars uh, this week, I think, because um, something's got to happen there. It's just getting to crisis stage for him in terms of finals.
1: Yeah, and and he became the pinup boy for Alira Lear's monstering of the Geelong forward line just before quarter time when on the wing he was thrust into a one-on-one with Alira Lear and he got removed as one would imagine a father would take care of a seven-year-old son in a game of kick-to-kick. Kick. And I know Wayne Carey didn't like it, did he? He was at pains to point out what a poor poor effort it was by Rowan. So, yeah, fair enough. I don't think it's the first time
0: Carey's got into Gary Rowan either. I remember another game this year where he was quite on him. Or I'm just going to read through a few comments now, not questions as such. Uh, Frogger says Henderson had a terrible night. Hard hands, beaten on the lead, nervous in his disposal. Hard tick tick. tick. Ag- yeah, hard agree. Uh, Robert Rice said uh, said a few weeks back if they got Gray, Motlop and Fantasia back for finals they'd be dangerous. Even without even without Georgiades, their forward line looks like one of the most cohesive. Uh, Alex M says imagine if the Cats had recruited Jeremy Cameron this year would have been handy. That's a bit of a backhander there. He certainly wasn't conspicuous tonight. Let's just have a quick look at his stats this evening. Ten, dis- ten disposals, one goal, uh, four marks for Cameron. Yeah, it was a bit of a non-event. And he tried to, uh, what about that, that moment where he tried to bulldoze his play yep. towards goal and uh, was it Zach Butters? Or, yeah, it was Zach Butters. I think just uh, wrapped him up in that tackle and
1: slowed his progress to nothing. Yeah, four uh, second quarter for along. He dropped a chest mark that he just should not have dropped. And then he regained the ball. And I thought to myself, you know, okay. he, he snapped it towards goal and Riley Bonner ran it through. Okay. You know, and I just I just thought to myself, oh, if they just, if he would have kicked that goal there or marked in gold, it would have turned the tide a bit. It was at exactly the wrong time to just, sort of muck your lines up a bit. Well, there are, yeah, there are a few
0: times during the evening Geelong had a chance maybe to regain some ground and couldn't take yep. advantage of that opportunity. All right, a comment here from Ryan Finey. I'm hoping you'll answer this with a question. Uh, Ryan says, Willem Drew did a fantastic job on Selwood. Willem who? Willem Drew. It never gets old. Um, i was not sure about that, <laughs> Well, I'm still enjoying it. Uh he he was very good. He has definitely added something to that team, I think. He was I think, uh, I, would, you, would you agree that the difference between Port of last year and Port of this year, I think they are a tougher, a physically yes. tougher side this year.
1: And he can take a lot of credit for that. I'll say this. You asked me, I should have mentioned it, when you said any apologies in the best, I really think he could have been in the best. Okay. Um Apparently, he's
0: known to Jonathan Brown or a relation of him. Distant
1: relative yeah. to Jonathan Brown. Right. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, just as yeah. well we said that again. Speaking of the All-Australian uh, uh, thing last night, Stephen Smith says, any chance of the All-Australian spelling centre the Australian way and not the American way, C-E-N-T-E-R? I noticed that. What the hell was going on there? Can we actually? Uh, no, we'll get through a few more questions and we'll get on to it. Just, yeah, well, well, we will get on to it, won't we? The hosting of that program. We will. Oh, good. You've you got to be in, be in your bonnet as well. You know, uh, what a certain person. All right. No, we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. Uh, Jeff Lord says the only way Geelong can win the flag is if they're gifted three wet weekends from now on. Otherwise, they're too old, too slow, and too lacking in flair. Uh, oh, yeah, look, I tend to agree, Jeff, except they will still pull out. I mean, last week against Melbourne, for example, that what was an eight-goal second quarter. They kicked uh, five in about, I think it was five in about eight minutes. Um, but they don't do that often enough these days. And I think a key to their capacity to do that, when, when they're in that sort of form, you know, Smith will be on song. Parfit, see him not playing well, I think has hurt them. Um, and they did they did look slow tonight and talk about being beaten on the outside. In fact, just a, a few key stats. So uh Port ended up basically there was one real big statistical anomaly tonight, and that was that the cats won the clearances. They won the center bounce clearances 15-3. Um, but what was happening was they were winning hurried clearances under fierce pressure and turning the ball over, a bit like so port were able to organise a response to those uh, losses of a centre bounce in the way that Rich- we got so used to Richmond doing, just winning the ball back at half-back and-, and attacking from there. And uh, they did it brilliantly. But on the outside, this was the one I was going to pull out, uncontested ball, Port Adelaide 234, Geelong 180. So they've had uh, 54 more uncontested disposals. I thought Port smashed them on the outside of the contest tonight, I finding.
1: Were they... Those numbers seem to indicate that apart from the centre clearances, they couldn't win a contested ball. And that's why they play keepings off footy. I mean, that is unfortunately a tell, as they say in poker, because they don't want contested ball. Um, Full credit to Port Adelaide right across the ground and unheralded players like Bonner and Willem Drew, who... I thought were very competitive, but Burton's not known for his one-on-one work. I know he's kicking, his heralded. And by the way, I, I, I want to say something. 29 points up at halftime, were they? Uh, yep. Well, they should have been 50 up. They got absolutely shagged by the umpires in the first half, I thought, on a number of occasions. I that just didn't go their way, except for one decision. How can a... How can free umpires allow a player to get a handball on the centre square line defensively? So you've got a mark on the ground, right? Burton got a handball right on that line and he kicked it one metre short of the centre circle. Now, I know how far a player runs is open to conjecture, but not when it's actually marked out for you. And that resulted in a goal to Port Adelaide. As I said, I think they got... Wave the wrong end of the stick for the umpiring. But that's just such lazy umpiring. Sorry. All right.
0: Fair enough. Uh, the free kick count, for what it's worth, at halftime, was 20 to the Cats and 8 to Port Adelaide. Uh, what did it end up? I didn't write that down. It was, it was a little bit closer at the end. A um, couple of interesting ones here. Leroy Jones says, Narkel should play every week for Dowhouse. Well, I agree. I, I think you know it gets back to what I was saying about Parford, etc. I think Markle really gives them a bit more zip as well. Um, Terribly recently. Sorry, he's been terrible recently. Terrible. Mm. <clears throat> well, they've got a few players out of form, haven't they? That's the problem. Julian Evans says at best Geelong now has to play the Lions at uh, the Gabba in a preliminary or Melbourne on the MCG-sized Optus Stadium. Uh, do we think Brisbane will host a preliminary final if they beat Melbourne? Is that a, yeah. a, a given? I think, I think, I don't know, it depends. Yeah, I mean, like, we, we really can't say anything about the venues with any certainty. Yeah. Uh, that would be huge, though, wouldn't it? I, I mean, I think, I think of all the potential uh, home advantages in the finals, Brisbane's would be the biggest. I, yeah. you know, the the. Brisbane hosting a preliminary at the Gabba against um, say Geelong, uh, uh, as opposed to Brisbane hosting it at um,
1: in Perth against Geelong. Um, Could we have a, a final grand final hosted at the SCG? No, <laughs> you're kidding, aren't you? Why not? Didn't is, didn't um and celebrate? 1,000 cases a day by saying she's going to open up the schools? Well, I don't know. She keeps telling us
0: she's got the, they've got the harshest uh, lockdown. They're,
1: uh, they're reopening schools on the day they announced
0: a 1,000-plus cases. Yeah, well, don't start me on that one. Um, all right, uh, let's move on. Uh, Keith, Keith Anderson says, Cameron is another one that goes missing in finals. How easy play he played? Yeah, that's not true. All right, I'm going to well, no, you, don't look it up because it. Oh, all right. You'll look. Or it you
1: up. say what you think while I look it up. I think he was very important in making them making the grand final in 2019. Correct. Very
0: important. Okay, here we go. Jeremy Cameron, 2000 and first final, 2016. So played in a qualifying final and kicked four four. That's not too bad. Yep. uh didn't play well in the preliminary final only had five disposals 2017 only seven disposals in the qualifying final they lost to Adelaide and he mustn't have played in the next final 2018 uh kicked 2 3 in the elimination and 1 3 in the semi 2019 elimination final kicked 2 3 kicked 3 in the semi 3-1 against Collingwood in the preliminary. And, A very
1: low-scoring preliminary. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, give him that one. Uh, and that's it, of course. So, yeah, look, yeah, I wouldn't say overly poor, to be honest. Um, anyway, it's all contentious. Uh, Patrick Irwood says, they just said on seven that poor will play at Adelaide Oval. Okay, well, I think we can establish from that that means they'll be playing at Optus Stadium.
1: Yeah, I'm saying that we can establish from that the Channel 7 now has all forward COVID cases for the next fortnight, do they? <laughs> yeah, I, I
0: don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, Rich Davy, good you know Rich, says, can Geelong win next week or are they cooked slow and lacking confidence? Yeah, oh, look, I I think they can win. Yep. Look, they, they lost the... Okay, it wasn't as bad a loss, but they did lose this equivalent game uh, last year. And who did they... Um, I know they smashed Brisbane in the preliminary. Who do they beat in the semi? (laughs) Oh, God, here we go. It was last year. Come on. It was one of the elimination (laughs) final winners. Trying to remember. Uh, Elimination finals last year. What happened? Quick. St Kilda beat the Bulldogs. And what was the other one? What other one? Uh, No, Port Beach along in the qualifying. Oh yeah, yeah, that's okay. Uh, come on, come on. Um, West Coast must have been West Coast. Oh, ah, yeah. yeah, Collingwood. Ah, oh. oh, Geelong oh, yeah. smashed Collingwood. Yes, yeah. Yeah. that's right. Yeah, smashed them. So, I mean, they can they can bounce back. That said, look their form. I was just going to call up their Geelong's recent form because <laughs> ostensibly it's reasonable, but. So, no, Geelong now has actually lost three of its last four. So, beaten by GWS at home, Mm. uh, 14-point win over St Kilda at home, not overly impressive. And could
1: easily have lost
0: that. Yeah, yeah. And and lost uh, to Melbourne, surrendering 44-point lead, and now beaten comprehensively by Port. So, lost three out of four. Yeah. They might not go in favourites. As I said, GWS beat them a month ago, and Sydney beat them in their only meeting with them this year too. So the Cats might well go into that game underdog. I would suggest. Yep. Uh, All right, Anthony. Just on Geelong says they are Dad's Army, too slow and can't handle the pressure. Uh, Johnson Von Trapp, G'day Andrew Burt from New York says, "I remember the discussion on Geelong being flat track bullies." Um. THX, what's that from again? THX eleven thirty eight. We had this discussion. It's a sci fi thing, isn't it? A sci a sci fi movie. Which one they Don't uh, don't worry. Alia, a champion, when opposition bombs it straight to him. Uh, Suds Mcduff asks, "Finally, you can answer this. How much do you think Daisy and Carrie actually despise each other?" No, I haven't had a sense of that to be honest. Um, tell us why you think that, sucks. I've got to say, I didn't notice that. I have noticed that uh, whether by um, design or whether, uh, you yeah, they've sort of been forced into it, that there is a lot more interaction with Daisy now from the other commentators than there was earlier this season. Uh, yeah. I think
1: they uh, might have been given a little message there. We told Brian to listen to what she says and comment on it because yeah. that's a major change.
0: Yeah. Uh, Luke Thomas asks, are the Hawks better than people think? Yes? Luke? No. Sorry? Definitely no. If you say yes, I say no. Okay. Um, Well, I think they finished off the season pretty well, and uh, I think I wouldn't be surprised if they rebounded uh, or or continued that improvement on into next year.
1: Uh, I know different people, and it's just what people think. Which people? I don't know. Maybe all the people I know think they're brilliant. No, they're pretty good. All right. Julian, uh, uh,
0: Julian Evans asked, how stiff was Hugh McLuggage for All Australian or missing out All Australian? Yeah, possibly. No. Uh, what about Jake Stringer? Do you think he was stiff? Very. Yeah, possibly.
1: Yeah, he was stiff. Yeah, he's been pretty good. He's been I'll tell you good. this one, I mean, if they picked a a team, an all-Australian team to play another country because another country was good at footy, he'd be in the team for certain. I'll tell you what, I, I am getting pretty tired of the <laughs>
0: the wings being used for midfielders who weren't good enough to fit into the prime midfield positions. Yep. I mean, you were talking about Paul where I'll just give you an example of that, actually. Now, anyone who has a look on footyology would know we run a team of the week. Uh, Tom Thomas does a team of the week for footyology every week. It's the best players selected in position. So this week he did a team of the year. And uh, of course, despite every explanation I put on top of the team, I cop the usual crap about, Oh, how could you have this guy? And well, it was based on numbers of times I picked in the team of the week. That was the only method of doing it, but just to give you an idea, so uh, the centre line in the footyology team of the year based on the teams of the week was Hugh McLuggage, who did play on a wing, Jack Steele, and Carl Amon, who also plays on the wing. In fact, I'll just read I, did you see this team finding? I'll just read it to you. So from the back line, it was Lever, May Ryan, Luke Ryan halfbacks were Rich, Sam Taylor and Tom Stewart Centre line McLuggage, Steele, Amon, half forwards Stringer, Aaron Norton, Isaac Keeney, full forwards Toby Green, Tom Hawkins, Lincoln McCarthy, the Rucks Nat Nui, Bontempelli, and Parish, the Interchange, Wines, Merritt, Dale, and Oliver. So it's ended up being, I don't know how many All Australians are in there, but quite a few. Mm. Uh, anyway, make of that what you will. Uh, we can. If you've got a comment on that team, let us know. If you want to have another look at that, jump on the Footyology website. It's there on the homepage. Uh, Michael says, "Stanley, hand your jumper in. Poor game." No, I don't think so. Well, I'll say this, funny. This is one valid criticism, I think, of Chris Scott. That four or five years down the track, they still haven't definitively ever solved the ruck issue. Yeah, that's true. So why not?
1: I think that they've been unable to recruit a big man from another club. They've had a few irons in the fire. And the one thing about always being up the top of the ladder is that you don't develop players as readily. And the one position that needs a lot of player development is a ruck position. Because I can tell you, I'll give you an example. In three years from now, Ned Reeves will be one of the, I'm not saying top ruckman in the comp, he'll be one of the competition's first ruckmen. That's because Hawthorne have been in a position to develop him. He played games this year. There's no doubt McAvoy and Segler were their best ruck combination. Mm. But many weeks... Ned Reeves played because they're not challenging for a spot in the eight. Now, if he was at Geelong, Ned Reeves wouldn't have got a look in because you just don't have that luxury of playing a player and developing him in that role. So I don't think there's been any much rucking development at that club because of their lofty position. Yeah, no, it's a fair comment. Fair comment. I, I just think at some stage,
0: yeah, no, no. I would have thought at some stage you back someone in and you keep playing them and they never seem to have that unshakable confidence in Stanley. I mean, he was—he had a good season and then was dropped for a
1: qualifying final against Collingwood yeah. in 2019. Yeah. I mean, the guy they've tried to back in and develop is Radagalia, but he's just yeah. not come to the party. No, he's a bit of a tease as well. Occasionally shows a bit.
0: Um, Reese Ball says that uh, Mitch Cleary has tweeted, I think, fifth time in six years... That the Cats' lowest score of the season has come in a final, just about sums up their inability to adapt home and away form to finals. Is this a mindset thing, game style, or both? I don't think it's game style. Uh, you know, I think that they they pursued this sort of game last year, and it was good enough to get them to a grand final. Is it a mindset? Not necessarily. I can't see why it would be. You're talking about a super experienced lineup. You know, they've got six players in their list. I'm not sure if they all played tonight, who have played 20 or more finals. Um, perhaps they're just not quite good enough. Uh, and their form, you know, perhaps, perhaps at their absolute 100% best, they are good enough. But if they fall anything below that, there are sides who are better. And the fact is, as we just pointed out before, they've now lost three of their last four games, coincides with the loss of Tom
1: Stewart. So it hasn't taken a lot to upset the apple Card a fair bit, has it? No. And Rowan, perhaps they're an older team that just can't see it through the season. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last year was 17 weeks of home and away with shortened quarters. Yep. Yeah, no, no, it's
0: valid. All right, I've got to read a few more comments here. Matt Lang says Geelong are slow and predictable. Top six teams have been lining them up for weeks. Port nailed them. Tim Dole says, "How good a port at recognising and backing young players? The latest is Miles Bergman. He's developing into a great between the arc player." That's a good call. Um, yeah, I mean certainly, you know, Butters, Rosie, uh, Dersma backed in from the moment they arrived at the club. They've shown a lot of faith in Carl Lehmann and that has really paid off, hasn't it? You know, he's such a consistently good player for them now. Um, Bergman, they've I don't know how many games he's ended up playing. And look, I know you're critical of Todd Marshall, but Hinkley certainly isn't reluctant to stick by those younger players even if they have a few poor weeks. And I think uh, that's something a lot of coaches sort of talk about but
1: don't necessarily do. So that requires a bit of courage, I think. I'll tell you one thing. I think he does have a philosophy about his on-board division. What's that? Big body size. You know, he's resisted the notion of Butters and Rosie swinging into the middle, where others thought that that's probably where they would be headed after their first couple of seasons. Whereas Willem Drew, Dersma and Bergman are more invested in midfield and playing on the wing uh, they're big boys, aren't they? Ollie Wines is big. We know Boak isn't huge, he's just brilliant. But I think he's very respectful of body size through the midfield, is that man? Yeah, I, was read, I read a story either today or yesterday
0: about Ollie Wines being offered up to Carlton at the end of 2019. And they were obsessed with getting uh, Papley. Yeah. And so,
1: geez, they wouldn't have minded that one now. Or- Oh, like no, a, no, no he couldn't, he, they wouldn't have him at Carlton. Too good? Way too good. Okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, let's not forget how he ended up at Port Adelaide. The worst drafting decision with a reason I have ever heard in football. Now, hey, I've been for St Kilda, and they have screwed up the top end of the draft like nobody. Don't get me wrong. But do you remember how he ended up at Port Adelaide? Uh, Sorry, who are we talking about? I was distracted. Holly Wines.
0: Uh, I don't. Oh, because someone... Oh, yeah, because St Kilda went for Paddy McCart. No?
1: No, I don't know. Tell Tell me. All right, so Melbourne were in a position to pick Viney and Wines, and everybody just assumed that they were going to take those two players. They picked Viney, and then they said, look, they have grown up playing their football together, they're inseparable sort of mates. And we don't know if we want that dynamic at the club because it might sort of, I don't know what the theory was, a clique within the club. Okay. So, they went, so they went for Tumpus.
0: Yeah, Jimmy Tumpus. Yeah. Well, unlike Melbourne to be a club uh, with cliques, they were famous for it back in the 80s and 90s. All right, a uh, quick, couple of quick observations. Uh, someone earlier said they, sorry, apologies, I've lost who it was. Oh, John Gomez, likes your art selections, finey. Alex M doesn't like my lighting, thinks I need to go to uh, somewhere and buy a video conference light. Yeah, look, it it, it is a bit of an issue. Um, Johnson Von Trapp is suggesting that Rita Panahi might be the next coach of Carlton. Um, I would suggest that certainly the political ideologies would be in strong alignment.
1: Oh, no, no. She supports the team where her political outlook
0: would be most appreciated. That's true, Hawthorne. Hawthorne, yep. She might be the next Hawthorne chairman after they tip Jeff Kennett out. That'd be fun. (laughs) Uh, I'd have even less less access to Hawthorne than I do now. Uh, Is her her middle name Isabella? uh, I don't think she has one. Or if she it, if it, if does, I can't repeat it here. Uh, RIP, that's all. All right, that's enough. Uh, Dr. Klaus Bremner says, You don't think having significantly worse performances under the added pressure of finals is a choke? Uh, no, I don't, Klaus. I mean, to me, a choke has always been losing an apparently unlosable from an uh, unlosable position. A choke to me, the classic choke was Jana Novotna against. Um, God, who was it? Steffi Graff or someone in in that Wimbledon final. Um, that was a joke. Yeah, I could add a, a certain doubles partner of mine in an evening tennis competition final back in the early 90s. Never forgotten <laughs> it. Um, all right, let's keep yeah, going. What
1: are some of the biggest sporting shakes? Look. Uh, I don't know, Greg Norman in the... Uh, yeah, in many events.
0: Yeah. Or what, the one... uh, uh 86 or no, what year was it? Yeah, we lost one to Larry Mize when Mize chipped in from about 40 meters. Yeah, the Faldo one, I think that was a bit later. Might have been 88 or
1: 89 or something. Um, to be honest, I I I don't really subscribe to teams choking so much as individuals.
0: Yeah. All right, we finally got an explanation from Hayden Murdoch about the Jay Leno reference. It was yep. Jay un- undermined David Letterman and Conan O'Brien by white hanting them for their jobs. <laughs> <laughs> did he did he um, did he try to sort of uh, offset that by preceding it with a comment about oh we've got a feel for David Letterman and Conan Conan O'Brien? Yeah. Uh, um yeah, that was that was interesting, wasn't it? All right, let's uh... Let's, oh, Keith Anderson makes a good point. The Stewart loss has been made worse with Zach Tui being out as well. Absolutely, yeah, yes. here. Yeah, he. no, that's that's a really he, he. good point. Uh, Jack Hack says, "Is it time for Gary Rowan and Luke Dowhouse to book their holidays for every September?" They can't play forever. Johnson von Trapp, Jake Collar, Jazzy makes some appalling decisions. Uh all right, the uh, knuckle in for Dalhouse or Myers says someone whose username I can't even begin to pronounce. So thank you. Um, John Gomers, is this officially the final series where free kick Hawthorne is overtaken by free kick Geelong? Uh, Aaron says, didn't Geelong trade Motlop because he couldn't perform in finals? <laughs> Uh, Bobby says, come on, Rowan, Bombers' chances. Can we get it done? Oh, they're, they're a very decent chance, Bobby. I haven't tipped them. I, and look, I'm, the reason I haven't tipped them is simply, oh, we're not allowed to say our tips yet. We've got our tipping coming up very shortly. But um, that's just basically looking at the season as a whole. Um, Essendon certainly got the better form. I mean, the Dogs have lost three in a row. Josh Bruce uh, loss has knocked them around. I uh, don't think their record in one is good either. So um, I think the Bulldogs are a favourite with the bookmakers still, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if Fessna won. Mm. Uh, um, yeah, go on. Uh, no, that's, that's OK. Alex M says, I've missed his weird rambling nonsense from the old SEM days. Got a response to that, Fine. No? Other than just say this. There's a... <laughs> Yeah. Ronnie Isco says Blue said the review was not about the coach and then they sacked T. Do they know what they are doing? No, Ron, they don't. Um I've been I did a ESPN podcast with uh, Jake Michaels and Matt Walsh of ESPN about this, the Carlton situation. And let's, yeah, look, we've heard a lot about it. But I mean, this is a club that suffers from the same issues that it did 20 years ago. And that is, there's too many people with too much influence, not directly in positions, uh, in important positions within the club. And there's too many agendas that are pursued. There's too many, um, you know, sort of petty uh, vendettas played out. Uh, there's the influence of former players is still huge at that club. And, and I think they listen to too regularly. And you can see this change of philosophy constantly in the fact that, have a look at the coaches they've lurched for So they've gone from um, Britain to Pagan. Uh, They've got, you know, an authoritarian figure with a big name. They've gone from Pagan to Ratton, a favourite son who they were going to sort of uh, educate on the job. Didn't stick with him, went for another big name, authoritarian figure, Mick Malthouse. Went from that to a teaching coach, Brendan
1: Bolton. Then they've gone for a bit of people power with David Teague. And all these people, like teague spent Oh, there's some consistency there, and that's why they're going to go to Ross Lyon. There is a common thread. A pattern. Yeah, they go from one one sort of format to the next. No. No, no, no. Well, what's that? Well, four of those six coaches have a surname ending in N, and that is why they will go to Ross Lyon. All right. Well, it's certainly, uh, certainly a, a logical course of action. Um, Britain, Pagan, Ratton, Hogan. Lion, see the pattern? No, they, our producer said Malthausen, but he was known as Scheisenhausen. <laughs> okay.
0: uh, Adrian Sal says, I'm in Bridport Street, fellas. Anyone know where I can get a hamburger from?
1: Yeah, oh, it's late, too late, and you shouldn't be out after nine, but tomorrow you go to 144 Bridport Street. Andrews. Okay. Uh,
0: Willem van Denderen says, never thought I'd see Rowan rolling barrels out of fullback in a final. Yeah, B, T, like that one? Hey, Rowan. Yes. Willem who? Willem Drew. No, that was Willem van Denderen. Willem van Denderen. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> Willem. Um, uh, Stephen Smith says, what do you think about Nick Nat making the All-Australian team? I didn't think he should have made the 40, let alone the best 22. They do that- love him, don't they?
1: He dropped, he, he spat the dummy in a few games this year. Have a look at how he went down at so Zalong. Terrible, terrible call. Sorry. So was he, hang on, was he. Tell not, me, Tom Hickey did not have a better
0: year than Nick Natanui. Was Natanui named on the bench? Yep. Okay, so Gorn was the first Ruckman Natanui on yep. the bench. I mean, there have been years they haven't picked two Ruckman.
1: Sure. But if they had to. Tell me Hickey did not have a better year than Nat Nui. No, no, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I, I
0: think, it's, I yeah, you know, Nick Nat's sort of presence and uh, the amount of his own clearances he wins seems to influence people and, yeah. I Sometimes know. I
1: think one of the selectors is a 12-year-old kid who collects footy cards. <laughs> yeah, maybe or plays fantasy. Nick Nat? i got to put Nick Nat in. Or plays
0: fantasy football. Yeah.
1: Oh, Lolo, yeah, Nick Nat.
0: Uh, Anthony says uh, Steve Hocking changed the rules to suit Geelong's kick-to-kick game and Port smashed them with a running game what rules that's rubbish I don't think he changed the rules to suit Geelong's game Uh, Ryan says Dangerfield has gone from an explosive midfield gun to someone who's rarely in there must be injured I agree with that uh, and while we're talking about danger, uh, Aaron says, thoughts on danger's last two finals, nine turnovers tonight and non-existent with the game on the line in the grand final last year. Oh, it did exist to one moment last year. Uh, what, in when he knocked out Nick Floston? Yeah. Yeah, he kicked uh, kicked a couple of goals, didn't he, Paddy? He kicked at least one. Um, All right, Uh, ZT says, Killing Jokes Love Like Blood just played in Channel 7's post-game coverage. Who does the Channel 7 music? It's Friday Night Music Guy, ZT. Um, Actually, as a guy, I do exchange messages with him on Twitter occasionally. I'm just trying to... I've forgotten his name temporarily, so sorry. But it is consistently good. I keep waiting in vain for um, BT to sort of back announce you know, uh, Wilma's Rainbow by Helmet or something. But, uh, of course, I'm waiting in vain for that, aren't I? Can't get the players' names right. How's he
1: going to get the music references right? Well, well hang on. Just, is this the guy that isn't responsible for the production of the whole evening of footy? No, just the music. Oh, good. Because I'm going to have a, as we are uber critics, I'm having, going, going to have a go with the guy in the van, as they used to say, the producer. All right. Well, um,
0: I do it. Uh, yeah, just give me a sec, because there's just there's a heap of comments here we haven't got through. Um, okay. All right, we're t- people are nominating chokes. Uh, the bloke at the British Open that choked. <laughs> Which one? I think I know the one you mean. It was a French guy, and he was wearing purple. It was Oh, der 19- oh,
1: Vandervelder? 1970 or something? Yeah, was? John Vandervelde. Mark Allen gives a good case that he did go crazy on that last hole, but one of his shots was the unluckiest golf shot in the history of golf. Oh, really? Yeah, like he did the right thing and it bounced. Where it landed, it was sort of unplayable, but it was an incredibly unlucky bounce, hop, or whatever. So. All right. Um, Ross McEll says
0: Wimbledon one was Jan and Novotna. Is yeah, that yeah. what I said? said Wimbledon. Nvotner. Did I say Navotna or did I say someone else? No, Novotna, you said the right thing. Okay, I thought so. Um, Adrian Sal says, Pies 1970 grand final. That is a joke. Tony. Uh, L- as, L- Tony what? Tony Lockett. When, oh, yeah, Brad Fox. Yeah, very Correct. good. Uh, Harper Pesting, a good friend of a show, says, casual fans don't care about the shit commentary as much as rusted arms. They're perhaps even entertained by the banter, in quotes, there That's are more. There are right more. Yeah, hang on, let me finish. There are more potential casuals to gain for Channel Seven than Rusted Ons to lose. Could this and him being good for short clips for the socials be a reason why Channel Seven sticks by BT? Yes, it could. Harper, very good observation. I've actually had this discussion with Brian Taylor myself several years ago. Admittedly, but uh, in fact, it was back in two thousand and twelve. I gave him a massive clip in the age one day and. He rang me and he said, you've got to understand it's about entertainment. And he's being told that. So I mean, I do have some sympathy, but it's just, you know, it's crap. Okay, we're talking about this
1: Fighty. How bad was that all Australian presentation last night? I want to start by saying, well done, BT, for commentating, because he was quite seriously hurt during the week. That's no, true. He
0: was. And, yeah, no. And no, that's a fair comment. Actually, I've forgotten about that. Can I just say, look, I've generally been a, a fan of Fox footy. They cover the games. You don't get the ads. They do have some decent shows. But I think in the last couple of years particularly, they have definitely upped the ante on the blokiness and the boys clubbiness and this thing, obsession with the former stars sort of dominating every sphere of their coverage. And so a a program like On the Couch, which was always quite considered and with, you know, Mike Sheen, the journalistic presence, and even post him, uh, David King was on it. You you know, you got reasonable analytical discussion. And they still have that to a degree, but not as much. But now this sort of obsession with having Jonathan Brown be big and loud and sort of having fake arguments with Gary Lyon and everyone talking over the top of each other. It drives me insane. And then the worst thing at all of all is having these guys hosting things. So last night, you've got a pretty important occasion, the All-Australian Awards, hosted by Gary Lyon and Jonathan Brown. And so a player, Max Gorn gets named an All-Australian. And the first question is, so Maxie, uh, you've come a long way since uh, that first training session when you stopped off to have a dart on the way. And then you've got Jonathan Brown asking Tom Hawkins about his farm or something. That's not the appropriate forum for for that sort of crap. In fact, I would say never is an appropriate forum because it's boring as batshit. But, you know, all Australian ceremony, how about a bit of gravitas attached to the occasion? We don't all get obsessed and overwhelmed by the blokiness of these former stars. We're not all enthralled by how lovable larrikin Jonathan Brown and Gary Lyon, it's, you know, like, and, and it's exclusive. It, it makes us feel like we're not part of it. They're talking among each other and anyone who hasn't played at the elite level isn't part of this little boys' club and we're all lucky just to have the privilege of listening to them talking amongst themselves. And it gives me the
1: screaming shits. All right, Fanny, have your go. Here, here. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, you said it better be- best before, best before this was like going to I, – I once hosted the Best and Fairest at the Hillsville Footy Club. Yeah. It was great fun. It was a great night. The raffle – I made a joke about the, the raffle prize and I was told off because, honestly, the second prize was something like 20 kilos of fertiliser. Yeah. So I said, what's the first prize? 10 kilos. They got very offended. But it did remind me a little bit of the Hillsville Footy Club best and fairest. I mean, you know, so yeah, the farm and blah, really, what? But who actually, what I'd like to
0: know is, you know, the the people that make these decisions, who do they think, who is that appealing to, remembering that this telecast is on Fox Footy, right? So you've got presumably hardcore footy fans watching it. Who... Is this what the majority of them want? Because I don't sense that. I, sent, I tweeted something about this, finding, and I'll read you the tweet. And it has had a pretty massive response, this tweet. In fact, just bear with me. Um, it was up to about 2.2,000 likes, I think. But I just said, much as I love footy, I don't think there's ever been a time where the blokey, clubby nature of how it is presented publicly has pissed me off more the nods, winks, in-jokes and arrogance of those we now rely on almost totally to present the game to us is effing cringeworthy. And that's had a pretty big response today. So I'm not the only one that feels like this. Yeah, it's very much a contracted
1: media, isn't it, footy media?
0: Yeah, and you get the same people bobbing up in the same forums, so... You know, you listen to one guy opine about something on radio, then you've got to listen to him on TV saying the same thing. And then one of the newspaper outlets will write a story based on what they've said on the radio and TV. Correct. That's it. All right. Uh, Yeah, we've got a few responses here. Chris Hale asking you if you've got new glasses finally. Is that true? No. Okay. Uh, Ross again says, read The Boys Club, the way Gary Lyon went on about... um, Max King was practically bullying. Yeah, there was certainly a lot of disquiet about that. Uh, Hayden Murdoch says Nick Nat could fart into a speaker and win a Grammy for album. <laughs> well, I would argue, Hayden, that that would still be superior to some of the albums which have won a Grammy <laughs> good. over Loved the years. That. Loved, it. Loved that analogy. Because the um, uh, Leroy Jones says one of the 2K took you to task on that tweet, Roko okay? Do you mean 1K or just one? I t- not many people took me to task, and the couple that did, I quickly dispatched into the Twitter um, uh, outer atmosphere hmm. with an FRO to send them hmm. on their way. Uh, Michelle Grogan hi Michelle, says, uh, what will it take for the broadcasters to listen? Uh, probably us storming into their offices and pinning them up against the wall, Michelle. I'd suggest they won't. They won't listen. Look, if you're not convinced when you turn on free-to-air television these days that uh, TV executives aren't some of the most extraordinarily stupid people on the planet, how else can you be convinced? They, they have no vision. They're always looking for the, the low. They always take the low road. Uh, they slavishly copy whatever's going on in the US or, or Europe. Um, they constantly get the wrong end of the stick. Culturally, they're about 20 years behind the rest of society. I.e., look at the cast of a show like Neighbours or something. You know, it's pure white bread, uh, outer eastern suburbs, circa 1980. Um, it's just, it's just terrible, and I don't think it's going to get better. Uh, Peter Phoebe says he's getting annoyed with Fox Footy's obsession with two and a half minute montages. Oh, you forgot the best part, Peter, the gravelly voiceover from Brownie or someone. He's a special player. Uh, all right, yeah, we're getting a lot of love on these comments. Uh, David Sempati, oh, now he's agreeing about Daisy pierce the only one who actually analyses the game rather than fiddling with themselves, so to speak. Uh, Nick Kozach says, Port can't beat top four teams. How are you Victorians going? COVID struck. Nick, come on. We do this every year, Nick. I'm sorry, Nick. I know. I know that um, you know the sort of paranoia about Victorian hatred is oxygen to people who live in Adelaide. But it doesn't exist, Nick. You know, like it's mainly sort of lack of interest more than anything else. I don't care if Port wins the flag. I'd be really happy for Port to win the flag. What about you, Finny? Bother me. Exactly. I mean, Nick, trust me on this. If Port Adelaide plays, I don't know, uh, well, they won't play Geelong now, will they? If Port Adelaide were to play the Western Bulldogs or Essendon or, or whoever, or Melbourne, there'd be plenty of Victorian people barracking for Port Adelaide. We don't see it like that. I'm sorry, but it's true. I explain mm-hmm. this to people in Perth every week, practically. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, Leroy's come back. Yeah, the guy that said nobody cares about my opinion. That's true, Right. That was actually me on one of my alternate accounts. Uh, Patrick likes Daisy. Reckon she's very good. All right. We've gone over to... I reckon... Yeah, go. I've got a couple of comments.
1: Oh, okay. sorry, Rowan. Shit, sorry. What? Is that all right, mate? Well, we're about to do the tips. Go on. Well, hang on, hang on. Before I said I had something about the production of the game... Well, I thought we talked about it. No. You okay. can't be I've got some tweets. We'll do it later. Do you mind right. if I do it? Okay. I'm a bit pissed off.
0: Oh, really? I couldn't tell. Well, hang hey, well, fair enough, I would have thought. Okay, so you're wasting the time you've
1: got to talk about it. Come on. I will not take my time. Um, is the guy, whoever was responsible, the man in the van, as I call him? Yep. Um, first two goals by Port Adelaide. First goal by Port Adelaide, they pan to the crowd, and he focuses on a banner, Zach Magic. Odd, given that Motlop kicked the goal. Second yeah. goal, they pan to the crowd, take a photo of the guy holding the Too Deadly banner on the back of, you know, but the, the Aboriginal flag as the backdrop. Yeah. Odd, given that Robbie Gray kicked the goal. <laughs> yeah. I just thought, do you actually know who's kicking these goals, mate? Just an observation, first time. No, no. A very good observation, yeah. And, and on Carlton... Yep. I just want to say, I know that their board and their management, you were scathing of them, and I am n- nowhere i on the polar opposite. I think they're doing a decent job and they should keep going. Oh, because they're doing badly? For whatever reason, What, whatever my motivation is, is my own. But keep on keeping on, Carlton. Nothing wrong with how you're running the club. Okay, I'd like to disassociate
0: myself from those comments because I think that every club succeeding is good for the game. Hear that, Carlton, supporters? Uh, all right, uh, Dan Fancher says he, he loves our little spat there, Finey. Fireworks, he says. Good. And I'm here to tell Dan that uh, you reckon that is the spat? No, nah, wait till we uh, get off here. No, I'm just kidding. We, we, yeah, we, do, and I don't have many spats, but when we do, they're pretty good. I admit that. We move on pretty quickly. Yeah, I can't even remember what you're upset about. In fact, I can't remember your name. All right, uh, what is the tipping device
1: this week, Finny? Before we do the tipping, and I'm quite serious about this, in okay. another sport there was a very tragic thing happen. Now, you know I'm into my darts. I do. And this, out of nowhere, one of Australia's best dart players, we've really only had two or three crack it on the international scene, Kyle Anderson, who's an Indigenous Australian. Yeah. He used to come on to Solid Rock, passed away at the age of 33. An enormous shock. Just absolutely floored Aussie. Sad. What happened? He's has diabetes. I had diabetes. He went into hospital for something related to diabetes and passed away. Damn, no, that is sad. Terrible, terrible, terrible passing. And uh, it's such a loved bloke uh, on the toilet devastated the world dart scene. So just wanted to mention it. Yep, no, fair enough. Uh, That is
0: sad news. Uh, Clinton Moore says just quickly, Victorians don't care, agreeing with what I was saying, but the Herald Sun will try and make some narrative about backing Victorian clubs. Of course
1: We love that, don't we? Uh, Come on, everybody get behind Collingwood. Yeah, sure.
0: (laughs) I've been doing that for 20 years. Absolutely no idea. Um, Ryan McLaughlin says, Imagine slagging off a directing in a COVID affected broadcast. Not happy with you, Finey.
1: What do you mean? Well, I don't
0: know. That's what, that's what Ryan has just said. Maybe Ryan works for Channel 7. <laughs> really? I don't know. I don't know what the. How, why is it a COVID affected
1: broadcast? Does you know how the directing goes? There's multiple images, and the director chooses which one he chooses. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so
0: you feel free to uh, hop back and explain that one, Brian. Uh, Jack Hacks says, well done, finey. Uh, Julian says, Rowan, uh, was there always rivalry between Carlton and Essen, or did it only develop during the sheet years? Basically, yeah. Um, I mean, they played in the 68 grand final. They played in the 47 and 49 grand finals, but... Um, it, it happened during the Sheedy years because Carlton had really done a number on Essendon ritually, and then uh, Sheedy arrived at Essendon in 1981. And from 81 to 85, Carlton didn't beat Essendon. Essendon won 10, I think, of those games in a row. However, it must be said, Carlton were winning premierships in those years, and Essendon were getting knocked out in elimination finals. So I think um, I, th- I think that was basically, you know, the the formulation of
1: it. Uh, I'm just saying that traditional football rivalry prior to what you'd call the TV era was absolutely geographical. So Richmond and Collingwood, Collingwood and Fitzroy, St Kilda and South Melbourne and very much Essendon and North Melbourne for the early part of football were the most fierce of rivals. And, you know, that was based on geography. All right,
0: um, uh, Dima Smeaton says footyology circulation about to pass the Herald Sun, according to reports. I, well, I can understand why, Dima. Um, Ryan has come back. Ryan says everyone is based in Melbourne working on those games. Fine, <laughs> so my. but yeah, Ryan, I'd just say, I'm not having to go, at Ryan, but I'd just say. Wouldn't the director's job be exactly the same, though, whether he was at the game or not? He'd still be looking at a bank of
1: monitors providing several <laughs> alternative images, wouldn't he? And Motlop is not Zach Butters and Robbie Gray is not Indigenous.
0: Also, I'd like to point out to BT that Lockie Henderson is not Mark Blitzer's, and I think he's got <laughs> about f- three times. <laughs> All right. And, uh, Ryan, can you... Um, if you do have a connection with Channel 7, can you be honest and let us know, or you just sort of you know, thought you'd go into bat for them? I'm just curious. Um, all right. Okay. We're going to tip three finals left this week. Um, so, uh, Fanny, uh what
1: device do we have this uh, week for our tips? So, the team you pick, you will nominate that team by giving me a finals hero from that team via initial. Sorry,
0: I completely missed that because I was reading a text from our producer who said, what bloody thing is Finey going to come up with for the tips this week? No, he didn't. He's just kidding. Sorry, save it again, Finey.
1: Yeah, so you have to pick the flavoured fruit that was most predominantly used by the cicadas on the week of... I've already told you it's a very simple dynamic. No, but I didn't. <laughs> I didn't hear it. I'm sorry. Oh well, that's bad. What is Podcast? it? It is um, the team you pick. Yep. You will give the initials of a finals hero from that team of years gone by.
0: Oh, okay. Yep. No, that's a good one. That's 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 amazingly simple. Um, Compared to There you. you
1: go, mate.
0: Different <laughs> All right, everyone. So, if you want to get in on this, uh, we will be delivering our tip for the equivalent final, giving the initials of a finals hero for that. Was a finals hero? Mm. Yep, finals hero for the side you are tipping. Remember, there's only three more games to do, so you're going to have to be quick. Ah, I've got Ryan. Ryan says, I do the graphics for the games. Directing live footy is an extremely tougher gig than it looks. All right, now take that on board, Ryan, and finally takes it on board too. Yeah, and
1: uh, I, I understand that, but it is the finals, and I'm imagining that the director has a lot of footy experience. All right, now, well, thanks for uh, being <laughs> honest
0: about your connection to the broadcast, Ryan. But we thanks for tuning in, and we take your comments on board. All right, here we go. So, uh, first final tomorrow. And here's the bit where I get really annoyed about the AFL app because um, it constantly refreshes. So, in uh, the venue, 3.20 p.m. Saturday afternoon, sees Sydney taking on GWS. And, uh, okay, it's a pretty obvious one. I am tipping
1: TL. Tony Lockett, who kicked the point that sunk your team. In the right. 1996 preliminary final? And I was there to
0: report it and had to file as he kicked that winning point and uh, memorably screamed into the phone as he did so. Uh,
1: all right, who are you tipping, Farney? Before I do, just a an interesting piece of trivia, or uninteresting, depending on your perspective. Now, Lord Ceston is named after a town in Britain... I think in England, maybe Scotland, but I can tell you that the town of exactly the same spelling is pronounced Launceston.
0: That is, I'm, I'm glad I know that. Yeah, so... Could, could come in handy.
1: Yeah, just a point that same spelling, Launceston. Right. Anywho. So who are you tipping? I'm tipping JC.
0: Jesus Christ. Um, ooh.
1: Uh, Jeremy Cameron. Whose three goals against Collingwood were instrumental in them winning the preliminary final. Correct. On in, including one early
0: in the last quarter, which gave me yeah. nearly a five-goal lead and probably saw them hang on in the finish. All right. So from our viewers, uh, we have LRT.
1: Well, that could only be Les Roberts. <laughs> Les Roberts. <laughs> That's great. Doing That is brilliant, actually. The one player known by three initials, that is so good. But a lot of people thought he could
0: have won the, or uh, certainly halftime in the 2005 grand final. He was well, uh, yes. leading, leading the North Carolina. Uh Robert Rice has gone BD. That's a good one, Robert. That is a good one. Um, BD. Um, Think recent. Um, Think recent team. Recent final. A yeah. Sydney, Sydney, a Sydney, recent team final. Or yeah, have they been? Have they been in the competition since eighteen ninety
1: seven? Oh, so GWS is it?
0: Yeah. Okay. Um BD recent final. I don't know who. Brent Daniels. Oh yeah. Kick, kick the winning goal against yeah. Um, yeah,
1: Brisbane.
0: Good. Yeah, very good. What's Brisbane? Uh, a lot of love for LB. Leon Baker. Come on, you've got to take it seriously if you're doing this. All right. Um LB.
1: Uh, one, one of
0: the most famous moments in finals history. LB. Um like really, really, really famous. Oh, you star? Yes. Okay, Leo Barry, yeah. I guess okay. Okay. So. Have you gone off this idea, Fanny, having suggested no, no. it? <laughs> you seem underwhelmed, and it's yeah. your
1: idea. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that Leo Barry stuff's a bit overrated for mine personally, but anyhow. NM. I think he was a hero.
0: NM, Nick Malcheski. Yeah. Good one. BND, says Greg Norman. Not that BND, yep. I'll chip in. Bloody Nick Davis. Oh, very good Yeah uh, MM Bit left field But I like it, it Says M- Ryan MM Yep um, I think most recent uh, Premiership win By that club Okay Um, no, I can't think Okay We've got two clubs Involved in this final And I said Most recent Premiership win One of the clubs Hasn't won a premiership No I know Obviously it's a Sydney player Yep, so most um, recent Premiership win. We've yeah. done Nick Malchewski. Um So we're talking about 2012. Cameo appearance, but important. Kick two goals in the second quarter. No. no. <laughs> Mitch Morton. <laughs> oh, Mitch Morton, yeah, fair enough. All right, let's move on. Uh, Saturday evening is the uh, first qualifying final, 7.30 p.m., at Adelaide Oval between Melbourne and Brisbane. Yep. All right. Uh, I'm going to go for... Oh, yes. I'm going to go for um, BG. Brad Green. Good get. Uh, of course, those of you listen to the Footyology podcast, one of our fantastic footy flashbacks this week was Melbourne's 2000 qualifying final win against Carlton, in which Brad Green, I think, ended up with four goals. And- I mean, three in the last quarter. Uh, A few people have offered that suggestion
1: as well. Finey, who are you going with? I'll go NC. Oh, come on. Isn't that what you said to me when I didn't know it? Um, Come on. I'm
0: trying to remember which team you're tipping. Come on. You're a bit snaky, Finey, aren't you? No, no. no. The last Premiership. I mean, come on. Oh, Neil Crompton. There you go. Okay. Um, uh, RDB, says Philip uh, Van Dam. Ronald Dale Barassi. SS, says Greg Norman. The Fia de Schittstuffel from... Oh, no. No, that... <laughs> Stuart Spencer. Uh, uh, what was the other one? ABC, says James L. Wills. The song by Michael Jackson. <laughs> it's as easy as one, two, three. says James, oh, he's being silly. Thanks, James. Uh, all right. Uh, DB says Peter Phoebe. and it relates to our other finals uh, fantastic footy flashback this week. Um, the other footy flashback, the one you picked.
1: Oh, oh, yeah, uh, Daniel Bradshaw. I Correct. David Bain. And AJ Meyer has
0: suggested RHB Ronald Hitler-Barassi, which, of course, is... Oh, mate,
1: my favourite.
0: ...weed singer of Tism.
1: I do the drugs. I do the drugs. I do the drugs. I, the drugs. <laughs> oh, killed me for- I mean, that is just the best. All right,
0: son. so we're both tipping Melbourne, and yeah. uh, the final final of this weekend is 3.20pm Sunday afternoon in Launceston. It is the Western Bulldogs up against
1: Essendon. Finding your tip. Oh, I just, I love that RHB reference, that's all. Um, so I'm tipping EF. EF. I, I can't remember
0: who you're tipping. Um, mm-hmm. EF. EF. Uh, Spare with me. Bear with me while I cheat. I'm not cheating. I'm just looking up who you're tipping. <laughs> okay. Um, this is going to be someone like from the 1890s or something, isn't it?
1: No. Ed. Earl. <laughs> Earl. <laughs> Earl Montague third <III> of the...
0: <laughs> How many names start with E? Uh, Ed.
1: And a hero. A hero. Can you you give me an approximate era? Well, hang on. Maybe you you don't know much about the club that I'm tipping. I barrack for them. Correct. So get it correct. Well, give me a sort of decade. No, that'd be too easy, mate.
0: All right. Well, it's not Gary Folds because that's GF. Correct. Uh, It's not David Flood because he didn't play.
1: Good on you. Um, I might have made it a bit trickier than it is. That's all I'm going to tell you.
0: uh, So, in other words, it's not the name by which they were commonly known.
1: Maybe. Maybe. All right. Um, By the birth certificate, I am correct. Oh, for God's sake.
0: Essendon. Yeah, yeah, got it. Um... Is it Ecken Fraser? Ah, yeah. Darren. Yeah, Darren Piscino's got it. And uh, Ted Fordham.
1: Edward Fordham.
0: Who, of course, kicked seven goals against St Kilda in the 1965
1: grand final. Correct.
0: James Elwell says this is riveting stuff. You can cut the tension with a hot butter knife.
1: Okay. I admit I was a bit
0: mischievous. You were. It was very mischievous of you. Uh, That's it. We've got 100 viewers still. How is anyone's guess, but we have 100 viewers. It's not that's it. Who are you tipping? Oh, yeah, I haven't done it yet, have I? Sorry. Uh, (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) Uh, All right. I am tipping... Okay. Uh, JC. Now you're tipping, Jesus Christ. That's not nice. Any of our viewers want to guess who JC is? Um, Jack. First name Jack? Uh, Yes. Second Um, name, Collins. Big shout out to um, our producers, better half everyone, who's just asked our producer if he wants a coffee or something. (laughs) Hi, Ash. (laughs) Hi. Jack Collins? Uh, Jack Collins. Good get. Good get. uh, Seven goals. Ah, uh, Ash, our producer's better half has just come into shot, and I've just woken up again. She adds, she's just broken the door handle, But she adds life to this uh, this uh, live stream. There's no question about that. We should get her on as a guest one night in our post grand final edition. When we, we should get our producer on as a guest, which I produce is very camera avoidant. Um, there's a reason. There's a reason for that. Why? Oh, no, he's a, he's a fresh face-looking young thing. I think oh, he's very
1: yeah.
0: Oh, Damon can come on and say hello. Go, come on, say hello very quickly, Damon. Come on. I oh, can't now. I we'll have to reconfigure. Well, we'll save it as a treat for our post-grand final edition. So, uh, John Coleman, Jack Clark, John Coleman. No, we're all wrong because I'm tipping the Western Bulldogs and I'm going with Jack Collins. Who kicked seven goals in Footscray's 1954 grand final win over Melbourne? And on that note, we're going to wrap up this show. So, uh, could have been who? Justin Charles. <laughs> Just, I got into a big Twitter fight, Justin Charles about something recently, and everyone told me he's gone a bit, he's gone a bit sort of conspiracy theorist and, and he's been hanging around with Dane Swan and those guys too much. All right, uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Good fun tonight and uh, good uh, questions and good feedback and all that stuff. Good tipping device and finding Well done, finding Very straight by your standards, but uh, I liked it. Uh, good production by Damon Jackman. Good breaking of the door from Ash. And uh, everyone has played their role tonight. Adelaide. Yeah, a good football by Port Adelaide, most importantly. We'll just give you those final scores again. And uh, as he searches for his screenshot and the final scores, Port Adelaide going into their seventh preliminary final will play either Melbourne, Brisbane, Western Borderlands or Essendon. (laughs) Uh, We don't know where yet, but uh, they were 43-point winners over the Cats tonight. And the final scores, Port Adelaide 12-14, 86, defeating the Cats 5-13, 43. Um, Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, If you want to help us, and this is serious, uh, become a Footyology patron. I know we've got a lot of regulars here. I know who you are by name. I'm quite capable of going through and finding out whether you're subscribed or not. I'll guilt you into it if you haven't. Come on, it's 7 bucks a month, and it keeps us going, and it keeps food on our respective tables, and it buys Damon a new door handle. So uh, please, please give till it hurts. Uh, we're most appreciative of your support. Um, we'll be back to uh, do the review of the first week of finals in podcast form on Sunday evening. So look out for that. And we uh, will definitely do Friday night final next week. So we'll do that. And uh, there'll definitely be one preliminary final week. So we'll do that. We'll do a post grand final one too, because we did that last year and it was good fun and it did pretty well. So, thanks for your company, everyone. Um, Enjoy the rest of your football weekend and whatever endeavours you are pursuing. And uh, we'll catch you soon.